Pastor Xavier Reese and seeking the simple truths of the gospel. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6:33. The focus is very important. Where you look is where you'll be headed. If you don't think that principle is true, try while you're driving. How you're driving your spiritual life. Where's your eye focused? Whatever your eyes focus is what you're moving towards. If it's not the kingdom, what is it? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The simple truth of Matthew 6.21 proclaims, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if you lay up your treasures in heaven, that's the direction you'll be headed. Coming up, Pastor Xavier illustrates in our character study of the Apostle John how when we let God take control of our ambitions, He'll direct them towards the things above allowing us to be a powerful witness for the gospel. Let's listen. First of all, the call of John came at the Sea of Galilee, as you know. Matthew four eighteen through 22. And Jesus had just called two brothers. He was walking by the Sea of Galilee. Simeon called Peter and Andrew's brother as they were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen, it says, verse 18. Then verse 19 says um, that he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him in verse 20. Now, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him, verse 21 and 22. There was no hesitation. It was God's quickening, God's timing. Secondly, the call of John, as we see, came in the Sea of Galilee. Matthew tells us that John and his brother James were in the boat, but their father Zebedee was mending their nets, and Jesus, calling them, declared two things. They immediately left, it says, the boats and their father. So they left their profession, and they left their loved ones. And then they followed him, Jesus. Now, the Bible does not teach that we abandon our loved ones. That's not what it's talking about. But it is talking about leaving those ties if God calls you to do something. Often we are held up by loved ones because they're tied emotionally to us. And so in their fear for us or whatever it may be, we yield to that and we become disobedient to the Lord what he has for us. They left their pursuit of their lives and followed in pursuit of Jesus to do his will. I remember being saved. And I remember very clearly a very clear decision being made in terms of the direction that my life was going to take. There was a decision I made. And it absolutely changed my entire life and the direction that I was going. That was 26 years ago. You remember that Luke tells us that when John and James saw the great catch of fish, their boat sinking due to the amount of fish, Peter was also confessing the sinfulness before Jesus Christ, you know, uh, depart from, from a sinful man. The Lord turned to Peter and says, Do not be afraid, for from now on 
You will catch men. They brought their boats into the land, and they forsook all and followed him, Luke 5, 6 through 11 says. John himself supplements the call of Jesus on his life in his own gospel as he records himself as the mysterious and nameless disciple along with Andrew, the two disciples of John the Baptist who were pointed to the Lamb of God in John 1, 35 through 40. Because he never names himself. Only one time does his name appear. And it's not in a very good light. (laughs) John, by his own admission of being pointed to Jesus earlier, tells us that the Galilee call was a second call, like it had been for Andrew and Peter. Jesus loves to work in and with the family as his instrument to reach communities. That's his goal. When I look at the church, I don't look at individuals. I look at families. I pray for families. And God would save them. The call of John is like that of Andrew, Peter, and James. A call to internship, apprenticeship. Alexander the Great, being asked how he had conquered the world, replied without hesitation, by not delaying. Too often people delay, they procrastinate. You remember Pharaoh? Moses walked and says, when should I call the Lord to take these stinking frogs away? He says, tomorrow. When God calls, people need to answer. Don't put it off. The call of John, as was with his brother James, was in the course of his daily profession. And as we showed that, so it will be in our life. Right where you're at. Jesus met them right where they were at. I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew 4.19. If you're a builder, he might say to you, I'll make you a builder of the kingdom. He speaks to you on your level. Where you're at. You may be a teacher. He may say, I'll make you a teacher of the kingdom. Teacher of the word of God. Jesus accompanies the necessary gifts according to the measure of the grace and the faith he gives. In order that we might not be lifted in pride. Romans 12.3 says. You see, if we think that he saves us, but then we have to now serve him with our own abilities, our own talents, our own training, then we have somewhat to boast. But none of us can boast because when he calls you, he enables you by giving you the gift and the measure of grace and the measure of faith to operate that gift so that he alone gets the glory and his body is edified. The call of man is never the problem. It is the faithful contentment of the man called. You see, is he going to be faithful to that call? Is he going to be content in that call? I don't have any problem with the call that God gives to a man. But will the man be faithful and content in his call? The call of God, though, it sees potential. Is not due to the potential in man, but God's grace and sovereignty. That's important. God is indebted to no man. God depends on no man. God is able to use all men and women if they will yield. Listen to what Paul says in Romans eleven thirty three and 36. 
Oh, the depths, the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Bottom line, whatever you do, whatever abilities you have, God is the one that's given them to you. And so this is the call of John. Let's look at the third and last, and that's the Apostle John. First, John, like James, was a strong, aggressive, and zealous individual. Jesus, remember, had given to John and James the name Bonerges, the sons of thunder, in Mark 3.17. <laughs> Mark alone is the only one who gives us that. Again, as with James, I don't think our Lord gave them the name because they were mild-tempered pacifists. The Lord gave them the name due to their young, hot-tempered zeal that was very assertive. John, as his brother, was a go-getter. As we stated in our study of James also, I think when people saw the two brothers coming, I think they got out of their way. And I don't think anybody tried to cheat them out of their fish in the Galilee. You didn't mess with them. <laughs> Jesus one day was rejected by the Samaritans, Luke 9, 51 through 56. Because Jesus had set his face to go steadfast to Jerusalem. And James and John, as you know, says, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Jesus said, you know what manner of spirit you are. They thought that, you know, like Elijah, I'm going to burn them up. I mean, this is the type of guys they were. <laughs> now... They were confusing their flesh for spiritual zeal. Let me say that some people confuse their flesh for spiritual zeal. And they just take what they were in the world and they try to use it in the church. And they confuse the two. John, as his brother, was impatient in his spirit, intolerant in his thinking. Secondly, John was a very ambitious individual, as you know. You know the account very well. Mark ten thirty-five through 45. When John and his brother James asked Jesus for the right and the left hand. Jesus, knowing that they were asking for personal benefit, he says, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with? Oh, yeah, Lord. Real cocky. No, not, not even blinking. As you know, Jesus goes on to prophesy about their death, which was fulfilled in James by Herod killing him by the sword, and John lived to be the oldest of all the apostles, we'll see, receiving the revelation after being boiled in oil. And so Jesus says, you, you'll be able to partake of this later on, right now, but you don't understand what you're asking because remember, they had in mind that Jesus was going to rule, set up his kingdom, right? Knock off Rome. So once again, their, their interest was personal. Um, they were looking to the ministry for some kind of position, some kind of uh, power. And, and so often, this is tragic the case with people who are in church. And often, they may begin with the right attitude, but they end up in the wrong place. 
and they do abuse power and they do get to a place where they want to be served rather than serving. Now, as you know, the whole story there, when the ten heard about it, they got all indignant and mad at them because how dare they think that they were better than the ten. But the fact, as I told you, that the ten got mad is evidence that they had the same thing in mind, but the only thing was that the two had beat the ten. And of course, they had asked their mom to come in and step into it because of course, moms, you know, my boys, they're the best ones, Jesus. You know, hey, out of the twelve, these guys are the cream of the crop. Isn't it interesting? What a weird combination. These guys are thuns of thunder and they're mama's boys at the same time. <laughs> weird combination. And it can exist, right? You ever see this guy, he's all tough and everything, and his mom comes out, God, what's the matter with Everybody looks at him, you know? His mom. That, that type of weird combination, huh? Kind of a sweet and sour. Interesting. I wonder if they did not get some of these traits from their mother. Even as Jacob learned his conniving from Rachel, his mother. John was a very ambitious person who wanted to be great. And he had the strong, aggressive personality to go for it. God uses individuals like that. If they can be clay in the hand of the potter, then he can mold and shape that individual. But there's the if. Now John, being a very strong, aggressive, and zealous, and ambitious individual, yielding to God became a great instrument of God. John one day told Jesus, Teacher, we saw one casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he followed not us in Mark 9.38 and Luke 9.49. Jesus told him, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is on our side. Mark 9, 39 and 40. This is the only time John is mentioned by name. When is it? He's telling somebody to shut up and not to use the Lord's name. <laughs> He's trying to stop him to work for the Lord. How interesting. John learned through all of this. But first he leaned towards intolerance and exclusivism and sectarian thinking. That's his natural bent. But John learned his lesson well and yielded to his Lord. Being transformed. What is he known as to us and through history? The apostle of love. He learned. John and his selfish ambition saw the secret of greatness not in being served but in serving others. In Mark 10, 43, he learned. John and Peter were the instruments to heal the lame man at the gate called Beautiful in Acts 31. John and Peter went down to Samaria to confirm the report in the ministry of Philip that the Samaritans had opened their heart to the gospel and they prayed for the Samaritans to receive the Holy Spirit in Acts 8, 14 through 17. Do you see he learned his lessons? But even in those areas, he's behind the scene man. You see, John in his exclusiveness saw that there was room for the Gentiles to be included in the church apart from the law. As he witnessed the grace of God over the Gentiles by his presence and his words in the first church council in Acts 15. 
And then he and Peter and James were sent out. And they gave that decree. And they are called pillars of the church in Galatians 2.9. You see, John in his openness to turn all those sinful qualities over to the Lord was transformed into more like Jesus. He wasn't born like that. John is known as a disciple that the Lord Jesus loved. John 13, 23, 19, 26, 20, verse 2, 21, 7, and 21, 20. That's the phrase that he identifies himself in his own gospel. You say, isn't that kind of profitable? No, nope. it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> John is identified by his own pen in the Last Supper as the one leaning on Jesus' bosom. The one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, eager to learn, John 13, 23. John was the only apostle at the cross, and Jesus committed his mother, Mary, to John, being sympathetic. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by him, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her. Into his home, John 19, 26, and 27. The only disciple at the cross, John. He gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. He gave John his mother. Says it all, doesn't it? John and Peter were told by the woman at the tomb that the body of Jesus had been taken away from the tomb. Both running, John being the younger, ran Peter. John stooped and looked in. Peter, <laughs> run in. And then as Peter ran in, then John went in, and it says he saw the clothes laying there in order, and it says, and he believed. He believed. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was the one of the Sea of Galilee who recognized the Lord's voice. Hey, it's the Lord. My little children, have you caught anything? It's the Lord. John 21, 7. And as you know, John was made a rumor of by the other disciples saying that he was going to live till the Lord returned. Peter started that rumor in John 21, 20 through 22. John doesn't even bother to clear it up. <laughs> he just says Peter started it. John was used by the Lord to be the author of five books. His gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. Five books. These books... He is characterized by certain words. Love, 83 times in its various forms. Life, 56 times. Light, 31 times. Witness, testify, and record, 30 times. Total of 79 times of those three words. He is the witness of Jesus. John is the true and faithful witness to Jesus for all who read those books. He's uncompromising, yet he's the apostle of love. John, according to tradition, was the oldest apostle to die in his old age, the only one who lived out without persecution, died around 98 AD. Tradition tells us that John never left Jerusalem till Mary died. John, according to Tertullian, went to Rome, was plunged unhurt, in boiling oil, and then exiled to the island of Patmos where he received the revelation. John, in his old age, was 
believed to be the pastor of Ephesus after being the leader in Jerusalem for many years. And it's said that he wrote his books from Ephesus. Irenaeus tells us that John opposed the heretic Serinthus, and in his old age, when he could not speak any longer with the same vigor that he had in his youth, he would have him carry him in. All he would say is, little children, love one another. That's all he would say. It has been said, the only apostle that did not become a servant of Jesus became a traitor of Jesus, Judas Iscariot. You serve Jesus or you serve yourself? One of the two. Interesting that God takes men like John who are strong, aggressive, zealous individuals and enable them to trust the righteousness of God and that alone, not their own. And their whole heart desire is to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering to be conformed to his death, to be more like Jesus, according to Philippians 3, 8, and 11. It's a work of God in them, not the man. See, Jesus is not so interested of what you are as much as he is in what you can become. That's what he's interested in. Romans 12, 1 and 2, as you know, says to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and accepting to him which is your reasonable service, and not be fashioned to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good except in the perfect will of God. A living sacrifice. The principle is very clear, and it's stated by John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease, John 3.30. That's the principle. You see, God takes men and women like John who are ambitious and makes them ambitious for the things of God. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, Matthew 6.33. The focus is very important. Where you look is where you'll be headed. If you don't think that principle is true, try while you're driving. How are you driving your spiritual life? Where is your eye focused? Whatever your eyes focus is what you're moving towards. If it's not Jesus, who is it? If it's not the kingdom, what is it? Before you know it, you'll be there. John was a good listener, better than the others. Study his gospels. Study his books. John stayed closer to Jesus than any other disciple. As a matter of fact, he said he was leaning on Jesus' chest, his bosom. <laughs> John was a good observer, better than the others. John learned from the rebukes of Jesus to not be sectarian and tolerant, a seeker of greatness. John came to be known as the apostle of love. John lived longer than any of the apostles. He was used tremendously take all of these under the control of the Holy Spirit with a fire passion for God and His truth and that person will become an effective uncompromising and powerful witness of the person of Christ revealing the love of God categorically every time 
This was John the Apostle. And so we have our first group of four. John being the last in our order here. As we looked at John the man, call of John and the Apostle John. Pastor Xavier Reese has been conducting a character study today of the one that God loved, the Apostle John. And just before we close, let me take a moment to mention that copies of today's character study, simply titled John Part 1, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply John Part 1, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com